Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Age. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Childs discusses the checks and balances for the breeding season so far. Welcome to this week's uh, Let's Talk Dairy. So this week, um, I'm just uh, going to do a few checks and balances in relation to breeding. So breeding the, down this side of the country is probably just on the cusp of heading into the three-week phase. In some cases, some people have three weeks done already. As we move further north, maybe the, the breeding season may be just starting, So, but it's still going to be a relevant piece to, to all concerned. And then the other piece that I'm going to look at is we'll say as if we if we're fulfilling the requirements in relation to the checks and balances, um, where are we going in terms of uh, having done sufficient AI? What's the next step? So uh, obviously the next step from our perspective within Chagas would be that people will move on to DBI, having completed their work in relation to EBIs uh, and follow through with high quality beef uh, AI being used for a good period of time. Uh, sufficient enough to um, minimize the amount of work that's required for bulls uh, at the end of the season. So just uh, share my presentation for today. So our breeding season progress, uh, as I said, we're just a couple of weeks into breeding, but obviously we need to be keeping an eye. There's a couple of figures that we probably need to keep, keep an eye on as we go through breeding all the time uh, to make sure that we're on track. So Seasonal calving, so spring calving, hard objectives. We want to get high six-week calving rates. Now, we can argue one way or the other in relation to this. Some people say there's too much work associated with it, but people that have high six-week calving rates, while they say they are extremely busy for that period of time, they say they get the work out of the way in a controlled manner, we'll say, or in a, on their own terms as such, within reason. So they know they're going to be busy for that, very intensely busy for that period they can, once they have the facilities and can access labor, obviously, or help to get through that period, then it's not as, as difficult as it may seem. Obviously, if there's a high workload, there is a high workload there, and we have to be prepared for that. Um, but six, high six-week having rates have been very strongly linked to profitability because we're obviously have a lot of cows calved and are ready to go to grass and are at peak production when grass growth is at its best. And that drives performance, obviously, from both a milk solids point of view uh, and a milk production point of view in terms of even litres as well. High quality grass with high numbers of cows means a very strong uh, milk production profile throughout summer months. And that means that the cost of producing that milk can be kept uh, slightly lower, whereas where we have slower conception rates or sorry, calving rates with cows maybe being fed for fed more concentrates during the course of the lactation. Uh, overall and it means that the, the milk that they do produce is a higher cost potentially but also if they don't go um, full still uh, full tilt in terms of they're, if they're going to be dried off before Christmas and they're calving late then they don't get a full lactation either so they're compromised in that sense as well. So high six-week calving rates are driven by submission rate uh, coupled with your conception rate. Conception rate can vary obviously uh, we generally say kind of 60% will be what will be expected. The submission rate, um, the objective is to have 90% submitted in three weeks. And this table here is showing the impact of combining this conception rate across the top, so uh, 30 up to 60, uh, combined with the submission rate of 60 up to 90 in terms of the percentage of cows that are in calf within six weeks. So just to go through it here, the highlighted one is the 50%. So we'll say we take that as being our average conception rate. If we can achieve our 90% submission rate, 
and have a 50% conception rate, then obviously we submit 90 cows in the first three weeks, half of those going calf, so we have 45, and then we're submitting the balance, which is the 45 plus the remaining 10 that have to that are going to come through, we'll say that haven't been submitted in the first three weeks. We apply the same ratios again, so 90% of them are submitted again, and a 50% conception rate to them again, and we end up with uh 25 is the, the figure that uh, that comes to there for that group and then obviously we move into the remaining three weeks and if we should be beginning to hit 100 submission rate at that stage uh conception rate will probably be increasing at that stage as well because um you've cows that have are longer calves so the potential for them to go on calf increases maybe that said if you've laid calvers their conception rate may not be as good but basically, it's it's a combination of those two factors is driving the performance in terms of how many cows we get in calf in six weeks. So in our 100 cow herd scenario, 70 cows will be in calf in this situation. 79 will be in calf if we have uh, 60% conception rate combined with 90%. However, uh, our, our submission rate probably nationally wouldn't be as strong as that. And we're probably somewhere in the region of this kind of these kind of figures really um, in terms of the numbers of cows that we're getting in calf. So we need to push that submission rate and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Conception rate is going to be driven by body condition score and nutrition levels, minerals, in the, uh, which will vary from location to location and, will, and even farm to farm. So if there are identified mineral issues that are affecting conception, they would need to have been dealt with or being uh, in the, being handled throughout the breeding season to make sure that we can maximize conception rate. Um, and then once we, and submission rate of course can be affected by mineral status as well somehow, uh, in terms of strong heats uh, that are easily uh, spotted by, by people that are farming. Uh, so in order to have good submission rates, we need to have good nutritional status. So body condition and as I said, mineral status is important as well. But that, that, that's kind of a, um, the, that ship maybe has potentially sailed in some cases for people. So if, uh, or if there are problems with submission rates and conception rates, you need to act quickly to try and identify the causes of those issues. The other objective in spring calving herbs is that we have low empty rates um, and we want to be trying to call less than 10% for infertility. So that's empty cows, basically. Um, the question I would always ask when I hear very low empty rates is how long we are breeding for. So I, you'd often hear people that have only two or three percent empty, and then when you dig in on or look under the bonnet a little bit, you find out that there were there was a bull with a herd of cows up until the start of September. It's quite easy to have a low empty rate in that kind of a scenario because eventually the bull will put most of the cows in calf unless there's something very wrong with them or wrong with him, and. Uh, that's fine. But in reality, in the systems that we operate in Ireland, we need to be trying to calve our herds within in less than 12 weeks, calve them in less, calve in less than 12 weeks, breed in less than 12 weeks. Uh, and we need high fertility animals in order to achieve that. But we also need to be good in terms of our fertility management to make sure that we achieve that as well. And again, look, people will say it's not a big problem to calve those few extra cows at that stage, but they're all distractions. And generally speaking, uh, I would be of the opinion that many of those late calvers cause nearly more problems than the cows that calve early because they get overweight uh, and they also maybe have mineral issues because uh, the actual dry cow mineral treatment that they get uh, falls off because the concentration goes off of it because 
they, there are other things to be done on farms and people maybe not giving uh, an, a dry cow mineral to cows that are left to calf. And next thing we have milk fever issues with cows like that. And they're just basically turned into problem cows. So we need to try and compress the, the breeding season so that we can compress our calving season and do things in blocks. Uh, and it makes life an awful lot easier. And you talk to anybody that has managed to do this and it may take a couple of years to achieve it. And it may, it, if, if, uh, if any of you were listening to Emma Louise's podcast there a couple of weeks ago with Tom McConnell, Tom said that he cut back his breeding season uh, or shortened his breeding season by a couple of days over a number of years to get himself back to the kind of 10 or 11 weeks of breeding that he does now and calving a very high percentage of his cows, high, high 80s into the 90th percentage in six weeks with the balance obviously calving in the remaining four to five weeks then. So the checks and balances that you should be doing now at the moment, so as I said, whether you're two weeks into AI or three weeks into AI or four weeks into AI, can you do this uh, at any stage to make sure that we have a lot of uh, what, we've, what we need to have done, done basically. So the big worry that we probably have this year, ironically, uh, compared to previous years, is that will there be sufficient dairy AI done on farms to generate the required number of replacements for herds? Is it, uh, talking to technicians, talking to DI companies, a very, very significant switch to beef, which in one sense is positive because it means that we are now using beef straws maybe on cows that we don't want to breed replacements from, which is a very positive thing, obviously, and something that we have spoken about here uh, in the last couple of weeks and months. Uh, so that's a good thing. But if that's com coming at the cost of making sure that we have sufficient dairy AI completed in order to generate replacements for the herd, then we need to be careful that that's not going to be the case. So just as an example here, we're using our typical kind of standard average 100 cow herd, which we have in the country now. And I'm, I'm being even uh, lenient, I suppose, in terms of the number of replacements. So our objective is to probably be looking at kind of an 18% replacement rate. That's the ideal scenario to be in. So that, um, but obviously we can lose an animal or two along the way. So probably generally speaking, we'd say that for 100 cows, you'd look to have 25 heifers. Um, but we'll say for the example here, I just used 22 replacements. So 22% replacement rate allowing for some uh, animals to go wrong, maybe would get you your 18%, which is your stable herd type scenario. Uh, if you're growing, you're obviously going to need more heifers and you'll have to do a different sum on it. Now, the caveat that comes with this is that this 5.5 straws that I've highlighted here can actually vary depending on the fertility within the herd. But this is a figure that's uh, there with a long number of years in terms of trying to tell you the number of inseminations that you have to do. High fertility herds of herds that have very good fertility and good six-week calving rates can actually be as low as potentially four straws per cow or per heifer required in this scenario. So obviously, if that was the case, you can see here, I've just done three examples here in terms of depending on the, the, the mix of AI that's been done. So if we're using conventional straws only on both cows and heifers, and we want 22 replacements, we need to multiply that by 5.5 straws. And that means that we have to do 121 dairy inseminations in order to get the number of heifers that we're looking for. If, as I said, we have very high fertility and really the only way that I, I've seen, maybe I'm, I'm open to correction on this, that you can see to check in this is how many heifer calves were born this year, how many dairy inseminations were done last year. And you'll get a very uh, good idea in terms of the, the, the strike rate that you're getting. Uh, and you can maybe work off of that figure then, or maybe do it for a couple of years, I suppose uh, an average would be rather than a one-off year, you could be very lucky in terms of number of heifers that landed on, on the farm in one particular year. So if you take it, maybe a three-year average of how that's gone for you, you'll get the picture of how many dairy straws you have to use. And as I said, we've seen cases where people are probably down at 
to, at four four straws per per um, heifer on the ground. So that would mean that there's 88 straws needed in those kind of scenarios. If we decided that we were going to use six on replacements this year and conventional straws on the dairy cows, on the, on the dairy herd, then what we're calculating here is how many heifers we're going to generate from the, the round of AI, basically, with six semen on the heifers. So we have 22 heifers in this example, uh, we're saying that the conception rate to the sex semen is going to be 50%. Um, and that's obviously, that can, again, that's going to vary farm to farm, but we're just taking that as kind of our standard figure to use. The ratio that I, I have here at the 0.9 is the bulls, the heifer to bulls, uh, as that's expected with sex semen. And as I would have said recently, when if we get the heifer or the animal in calf, the ratio generally is is quite good in that it is delivering the one bull in 10 kind of scenario. So in order to get um, 22, or we'll say, how many heifer calves are we going to generate from using our sex semen on our 22 replacements? At a 50% conception rate, 90% bull, heifer to bull ratio would mean that we'd have 10 heifer calves from our dairy heifers. Uh, so that would mean that we are trying to get another 12 then from the cow herd. And that means that if we use our 5.5 straws, we need to do 66 dairy inseminations to get that. Uh, and conversely, I suppose, again, if we were had a very strong conception rate in relation to the heifer side of things there, you could say that it could be less than 50 straws required there. But I suppose people, if they're unsure in relation to conception rate to six semen, for, if they're using it for the first time, uh, you probably are on the side of caution and have a few extra rather than being a few short. If you were to use all sex across the board, it identified what cows were to be uh, inseminated with, with sex semen, etc. This is a slight, is a reverse calculation. So we want 22 heifers. Uh, we're expecting that we'll have a 90% ratio. So we divide it by 0.9 or divide it by 90%. And that tells us the number of straws of, of um, heifer, of total calves that we're going to get from our sex semen, including our bulls. Uh, or, sorry, I'm getting that wrong. Uh, that tells us how many heifers we're going to get from that. And then we divide it by the conception rate. Again, that lower conception rate of 50% um, for the sex semen. And that will give us a figure that tells us that we need to use 40, 49 to 50 dairy inseminations of six straws in order to get our 22 replacements. So that's the starting point in terms of making sure that we have enough dairy replacements coming through onto our herds, into our herds for next year. Um, and that's a very, very important piece because very like the, the temptation is there that our, the, the, because of the way heifers haven't, haven't been selling well, especially heifer calves and heifer weanlings um, or maiden heifers in the last couple of weeks, and people may switch the focus too quickly the other way uh, and, and not generate enough replacements for them. So make sure that you have enough dairy AI, be it conventional or sexed, completed before you start to make any switches. Uh, just in terms of what is your submission rate, to get the most accurate answer, it's important that people identify cows that aren't, um, that you are going to call so that you're not going to breed this year. So we, quite often we would look at uh, herds with people and when we look at the, the, the cows that haven't been served, they'll say, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not keeping her, I'm not keeping her, I'm not keeping her. If you want to get an accurate figure coming back in terms of the submission rate, Go onto the calling screen on ICBF and identify those cows for calling or go onto them on your, the apps that you have on your phones, maybe for uh, monitoring or managing your herds. They'll be able to be used to identify cows that are not to be bred as well. Where do you get the answer in terms of your submission rate? You can work it out. Uh, it's a very simple figure to do. Uh, I suppose 100 cows, 
not breeding 10, for example. So we have 50 to be uh, AI to, or that are AI to date. So we have 50 divided by the 90 cows that are to be submitted um, equals 55%. Now that look, there's a few there are, are cows eligible, etc. So uh, comes into it sometimes as well. But roughly speaking, we're talking about getting a figure of where we are so that we can figure out are, are we on target? What's the what's our what and what is our target? Our target is 90% to be submitted in three weeks. So we should be hitting in or around 30% a week being submitted uh, in order to achieve that. And if we're well short of that, we need to, uh, again, we need to go back and check what's the problem. So are our cows not calved long enough? Are we missing heats? Is there a problem with nutrition? Are cows under condition? There could be a, a myriad of, of problems there that might be causing it. But if we know that we're not achieving the targets, at least we can start looking into it sooner rather than later. The ICBF then uh, have a, a weekly fertility report, which is excellent. And it very, it's very useful to, um, to help you to we'll say, just identify what your submission rate is. And one of the key things then is the actual action list. So this is your submission rate. Uh, this is for one of our own Chagas cards at the moment, who are breeding since the 25th or 26th of, of April. Uh, and you can see that we'll say this was run two days ago. Uh, so we don't have, sorry, we don't have um, figures coming through here because we haven't gone to the 21 day submission rate and we obviously won't, haven't achieved the 42 day submission rate either. Okay. But you can see here there's a heavy black line. We've just gone over the two weeks of breeding in this herd. In this herd. And you can see that the heavy black line is tracking very tightly to the, the target submission line, which is the, the, um, the dashed line okay and this here three week at three weeks is obviously our 90 percent and our objective will be to be touching off of that as best as we can uh, and this is a report that you can run every week if you want to and i suppose the advantage of it is that you can get, track your progress now you will have to have uh, 14 days of ai or services completed or uh, noted before you'll get to see your your own progress relative to the line um so it's from probably from now on that it's really coming into its own. The other thing that's uh, fantastic about this is this uh, page here, which is only just one of the pages. Now, obviously, we're only two weeks of AI done on the farm. The in, the in question here, there are still a, there's still a week of AI to be done on a, a group of cows before they're technically problem cows. But this is an action list that comes with the, the weekly fertility report. The action list identifies cows that haven't yet been served. So as I said, with a week of AI, there's, at least, there's potentially up to 30% of the cows on this list are going to come into heat this week anyway, naturally. Uh, so it'll deal with a lot of them uh, straight away. But it, it's no harm to print that list out early in the, in the first three weeks of breeding because you can uh, then look and see, we'll say there will be cows that are on this list that have already been served, but just the, the data hadn't fed through to ICBF when the report was run. So they can be crossed off the list. And you can see here then in relation to calving difficulty that there was some assistance for these. And it all uh, what this will do is rem um, just act as a reminder, maybe that these cows may not be cycling, so they may need to be checked. If they haven't already been checked, uh, they may have been checked and they've been identified that they're going to come into heat. Um, uh, but it's just a reminder. It's an action list of cows that have not been served. And with the average herd, as they're saying, being 100 cows and people being very busy between uh, family things and, and the work that has to be done every day, very easy to forget about particular cows or to forget about uh, uh, animals that may be 
a cow that was bulling just doesn't appear again subsequently. And we can see sometimes when cows hit peak milk yield that their uh, heat intervals can get a little bit longer and, and maybe they do come through, maybe they don't come through. Uh, and, and it's just identifying those cows that they haven't been bred. And if you run this on a weekly basis, you get a look at those cows, it just acts as a trigger to check them out, to look at them. And it, what it, it helps to prevent is that drift in, in calving or in conception. Um, by by action on this list, we can ensure that we have more and more of the cows calving in the earlier part of the season uh, as possible. So the next question then, I suppose, is when do you stop AI? So having looked at the dairy, um, the dairy insemination side of things, and it's obviously it could vary depending on use the sex semen and you've generated enough of your um, your dairy stock already from that. Um, the temptation is there that people will leave off bulls very early, especially when dairy AI is completed. And, and the, the, the weariness, I suppose, that can be associated with the, the calving season coupled with breeding season, then at the early part of breeding season, uh, tends to see people releasing bulls maybe earlier than they should. How many cows have you left to be bred is an important question that you have to ask. Uh, and you can divide that then by, we'll say, 21 days, and that's going to tell you roughly how many cows are going to be bulling each day and then how many bulls do you have one mature bull can manage 20 to 30 cows i would say that it's important to note there that just because you have one bull and you have 20 to 30 cows that potentially could come bulling if there are more than two or three cows bulling on any one day that bull is going to struggle to actually deal with all, all of those animals and you should consider uh, using ai on those days in particular and then in particular, it's important to note that the capacity of a young bull is quite significantly lower than a mature bull. Uh, and there's a figure bended around there that they're capable of handling one cow for every month that they are uh, of age. So like if you have a 15 month old bull, they wouldn't be capable of handling 15 um, cows really like they're thereabouts anyway. Um, so as I said, it's the, the, the key thing here, I suppose, is that every extra three weeks um, that you use AI will have the bull power required on your farm. And look, there's no doubt about it. Uh, when we go visiting farms, we've seen an increase in the number of cows on a lot of farms. There hasn't been an increase in the number of bulls that are being brought onto those farms. So that means, and I would say that it's a, probably an important thing from people's point of view that we actually from a health and safety point of view that we don't increase the number of bulls on farms if anything we'd be, we we're trying to eliminate the number of bulls on farms from a health and safety point of view it's important that people will continue to ai for longer in order to reduce the requirement for bulls on farms uh, if not eliminate and there are a good number of herds that have moved to 100% ai to eliminate bulls um, and that's a personal choice, obviously, for them. And it does make it a little bit more tricky because as heat activity reduces, it gets a little bit harder to pick up cows, but heat detection aids are there for those reasons. So it's very important that we uh, don't don't let, leave off the bull expecting him to do the, the devil and all in terms of putting cows in calf. He will do it, but he could need quite a long period of time to do it. And that's assuming nothing goes wrong with him at any stage. Bear in mind that if a cow, or sorry, if a bull or to get any sort of a raised temperature, they can become subfertile very quickly. I always say uh, that the AI man can get a cold and it does not affect his conception rate when it comes to AI in cows. 
Um, whereas if a bull gets a, um, a, an infection or, as I said, any sort of a raised temperature, they can become subfertile. And that means empty cows. And every year there are herd owners that are disappointed because of bull performance letting them down. And I think it's very, very important that people continue to, to AI, even if you have your dairy AI completed. So that brings me on to the final slide or one of the final slides, the DBI. So we've now used our EBI. We've done what we need to do in terms of generating the replacements for the future. Now we need to concentrate on generating a high quality product in terms of a beef animal. So some beef stock bulls are quite good, but some beef stock bulls are quite poor as well. Uh, and, and, uh, and if we couple that with that requirement to, to keep AIing to reduce the, the pressure on the bull, we should be using high DBI bulls or good beef bulls to uh, generate high quality um, beef stock in, for, for whether it's for our own use on our own farms, if we're keeping on those stock, or for the, the people that we're expecting to buy these uh, animals, whether it's at yearling stages or calf stages or whatever. Uh, it's important to point out like that one size doesn't fit all, so it's difficult to buy the right bull because if you have a light first calver, uh, and she's served by a, a relatively strong bull um, that may be slightly harder calving, then she's going to have a harder calving next year. That bull is perfectly appropriate for a good, strong, mature cow uh, on your farm. But as I said, if you've only one bull, you've only one choice. Beef AI offers the opportunity to mix and match so we can have a bit of color if we want it. If we want to have limousines, I was talking with a guy recently who was using some Jean Ireland limousine bulls and they're calving five to seven days ahead of time. And they're being bred for that purpose, obviously, to calve early from, from a, a dairyman's point of view. Uh, but they're also turning into very good quality stock for the beefmen. And there's no problem moving those types of calves. So we can have any sort of color that we want. We can have Aubrex, Salers, um, Limousins, Belgian Blues, Charles. even. There are some easy calving Charles that people have been using on cows and calving on time, etc. So the, the opportunities are endless, really, in terms of use of beef AI compared to actually using a stock bull. Um, and so where we're just limited in our choice. So um, beef AI is no different to dairy AI in terms of the performance of the stock. So dairy, dairy AI always, will always outstrip the stock bull because they're that bit ahead. Uh, that, and, and we push against having stock bulls from that point of view for dairy, ideally, because we have a far better quality of animal coming through the, the, um, the, the AI stations. Similarly speaking with the beef, we have an awful lot more choices, I've already said, and we also have the opportunity to have the best of the best stock that are, are coming through. So the stock that have performed really well in the test stations uh, have high carcass weights, have very good confirmation figures, are easy calving, are short gestation can be used because we're using AI. They can't, if we're lucky enough to get a bull like that, okay, we have, we, but again, like is that high carcass weight bull, high confirmation weight bull are going to be suitable for that light first caver that maybe, or that light second caver, definitely not going to be suitable for a heifer potentially. Um, so we need the options that are available. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't write off uh, um, the, the use of, of beef AI in terms of the opportunity that it offers us to give, to tick all the boxes from a gestation link point of view, from a dairy farmer's point of view, the calving ease is a very, very, very significant thing, I think, from my perspective in relation to uh, beef AI in particular. We get people very hung up on the calving ease in relation to the dairy straws that they're using, and yet we can let off a bull that we don't really know uh, how safe he's going to be uh, in terms of his, his calving difficulties. So DBI has been developed to allow the production of high-quality beef 
while not compromising on the caffeine traits that are important to you as dairy farmers. And it's important that we start to make use of that index. It, it wasn't done for the fun of it. It's important to, to make use of that and to drive forward the beef performance as well, because this is a part of Ireland Inc. Uh, in terms of dairying, and we know the pressure that's on in relation to carbon emissions, etc. These higher quality beef stock coming out of the dairy herd that go into the beef dairy beef systems around the country are going to finish earlier. They're going to perform better. Financial reward will be higher for them as a result. The input cost will be lower and the carbon output from those animals is going to be lower as well. So it's a really, really strong, positive choice in terms of the Irish agricultural industry to use high DBI animals into the future for, for breeding the stock of the future. And we should be moving in that direction. So just to summarize, uh, we, you need to run your weekly fertility report frequently to track progress and to identify cows not yet bred. And as I said, there's animals can slip through the cracks there very quickly. Um, so it's, it's important to run that on a weekly basis, I, I would imagine, I would think. Make sure that you AI for long enough before releasing bulls or you better have a lot of them. Uh, and as I said, I haven't seen a lot of bulls on extra bulls arriving on farms. And I also would have major, major concerns uh, about having too many bulls on farms because obviously bulls don't get on with other bulls in a lot of cases and um, that's a risk for everyone involved on the farm and that's uh, something that we want to avoid uh, and you should be using high DBI bulls to generate high quality beef and that feeds back into our second point there so use that high DBI from as soon as we have our dairy replacements uh, quota filled uh, whatever that is be it for allowing for your expansion or if you're in a steady state start using beef AI. You have loads of options. Talk to your AI company, talk to your AI technician about the choices that you have available to you there. Try to emphasize that we push for a good, good strong carcass weight and confirmation performance while still having our calving objectives um, on the stronger, more mature cows. Use a more appropriate bull on the lighter stock. And we saw what they were doing in, um, in Kildalton there recently with Zerlina. And we just really need to try and push that on. As I said, it's a, it's a real benefit to the industry as a whole. Uh, if you're asking what's in it for me, it's just that it's going to be an improvement in terms of the beef quality that's been generated from, from the herds. I don't know, is it necessarily about getting extra money for calves? I think it's important that you have a saleable calf and high quality beef calves are going to begin to differentiate themselves. DBI as such is in its infancy. Uh, really, and is only beginning to come true now. If we and you people will see in the future that people are going to become very conscious of the carcass weight figure, the confirmation figures, these are going to start appearing on mark boards. It's going to be the difference between selling a calf and not selling a calf. And people need to be moving in this direction. It's going to be positive for all both the beef industry and the dairy industry. And we need to work together in for to make it the whole Irish agriculture called agricultural industry. Uh, a better place to be in terms of carbon emissions etc so we'll leave it at that for this week i hope you got some value for that uh, run your weekly report as i said to check how you're getting on next week i'm going to do a little bit on on uh on silage quality and we'll say some of the issues around preservation etc uh so we'll hopefully we'll be just picking you up just in advance of of a good share of the silage being done even though there is some silage after being cut already uh, so we'll talk to you next week and wish you well for the week ahead and stay farming. Bye for now. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.